How many of you love God on the day? And when we say we love God, it means sacrifice. It means doing things that are out of the norm for you and I. I can tell Pastor Wendy I love her all day, but until I show that love, what does it really mean? If I do wrong or she does wrong, it's up to one of us to say, yes, Lord, and go to them and say, I apologize for what I said. I apologize for acting. It doesn't matter who was right or wrong. And that's what it means when we sacrifice and we say, yes, Lord. It means putting ourselves to the side and saying, yes, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Wendy. We have been in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. And Paul, the apostle Paul, has been setting us up because he wants to talk about the future things. The future things. Romans, I believe it's the sixth book of the New Testament. The sixth book of the New Testament, and we're in the eighth chapter. But he begins the chapter by saying, first of all, I have not been there. I don't know you all as intimately as I do some other churches. But first of all, I want to tell you, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what's happened in your life, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We oftentimes, it's not what other people say about us, but sometimes it's what we say about ourselves, what we think of ourselves, and we don't move forward because we can't let go of the guilt and the shame. And when we're not doing it to ourselves, we can thank our friends and our families and our coworkers who keep putting us down. Can y'all hear me on today? Who keep putting us back in a place where God has delivered us from, and God is saying, no. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free by the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say that if we continuously think in this carnal mind that we once walked in, that he talked about in chapter 7, those things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I hate to do, that which I do. But if you keep thinking like that, You're at enemy. You are at odds with God. You can't think like that. You can't walk like that and walk with me. He says in in verse 9, he says, if you don't have my spirit, you don't belong to me. He goes on to talk about adoption. That we're one with Christ and, and that God is our daddy. He is my daddy. So when I'm hurting, dad is there. Fathers are so important in the families. And what better father figure do we have than God himself? And so Paul leads us up beginning at verse 18. He's setting us up. He says, and I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, what's he talking about? Is he talking about next year when you finally move into your new house or you finally get to retire? No, he's talking about when we leave this earth. Everything that you're going through right now, as bad as it may seem, it may seem like a mountain to you. 
it may be a small problem to something to someone else. But God is saying, Paul is saying through, through uh, excuse me, the Spirit of God is saying through Paul that what you're going through now is not worthy. It don't even come close. Anybody's phone right now is on less than 75%. You thinking about charging your phone. Well, now ain't the right time. Well, guess what? When you leave this earth, no more cell phones. You want to talk to somebody? <laughs> They'll be there. They can hear you. And guess what? You won't, you won't need them because we'll be praising and worshiping God all day. Because understand this, and it doesn't mean because you live and you die, you go to heaven. Just because we live and we die, we don't go to heaven. There is, there is nothing automatic about our eternal life. We have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on. And he says, for creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. I wanna, I'm going to show you all a video in a little bit. But people are waiting for God's children, for God's people to step up. People are waiting on you. Brother Taiwo, Pastor Wendy, Deacon Parsons, Brother Quentin. You don't know it, but people are waiting on you. Well, you're a Christian. What should we be doing about this? Well, you're a Christian. Is he lying or is he telling the truth? Well, you're a Christian. Is that right or is that wrong? The world is waiting on us. So what kind of signals are we sending the world right now? And, and we, we can't hide it, but we know that every now and then something comes up. This pastor is being accused of something. This church is embezzling money. But the, body, but the Bible tells us that the world is waiting for us to get in place. We are the link that people need to click on to know what heaven looks like. We are the ones who are the mediators between the world and God. We're the ones, and people are standing by and waiting. When are you going to get in place? When are you going to get in place? Next, and I'm going to jump down to verse 22. But we know the whole creation has been groaning in, has been groaning as in pains of childbirth to the mothers, you know who, who, what I'm talking about, right up to the present time. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And he's talking about, again, leaving this earth and living with Christ, living with God eternally. He's taking it to a whole nother level. And I'm not at all against preaching about heaven. But if all we talked about was heaven this and heaven that, the streets are, are made of gold and the pearly gates then we can miss what we have to do to get to heaven. Thinking that if you don't lie and you don't steal, 
Don't cheat on your taxes. Show up to work every day on time. You will make it to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible says. You can do the uh, Spanish. But it says that we we who have the first fruits, we groan inwardly as we await. There should be an eagerness in those who say, I believe in Christ. There should be an eagerness to say, I want my eternal reward. But how many of us are saying, I'm not ready to die? Don't raise your hand, but I'm not ready to die. But then we have to ask, why aren't we ready to die? Is it because we don't want to leave behind all these precious things that we've worked so hard for? Or we know that we haven't done everything it is that God has required of us. And I will, I will agree to the latter. I will agree to the latter because I'm tired of putting gas in my car. I got to drive across town to get gas 10 cents cheaper and wonder why. You know, I, I, my body is hurting right now. I, I've got a, a, a crick in my neck. I got to sleep with a special pillow right now because my neck is hurting. But I'm ready to move on. But I know that there are things in my life that they're checked. There are boxes that I haven't checked off yet. And I ain't talking about a bucket list. I'm talking about people whose lives are dependent on me walking the fine line. And it doesn't mean because I'm a pastor that I get a free pass. It just means that I have greater responsibilities. And I have not lived up to all of those responsibilities. But as a child of God... These are commands. These are not, oh, by the way, if you get around to it. And then in verse 24, he says, For in this hope we are saved. In this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? I sure hope that I can get up in front of y'all this morning and preach. I'm already doing that. My hope is that you all receive what Christ, what the Spirit of God is saying to you, and that the soil of your heart is tender, and that the seeds are planted, and that someone else will water, and God will give the increase. That is the hope. You can't hope for what you already have. Don't hope that you eat breakfast. It's already 11 o'clock. You miss breakfast. You might get brunch. You might get lunch. But breakfast is gone. If you ate, you ate. If it's not, it's too late. And then verse 24, he says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 25, excuse me. Can you show that video? Now, I want you all to listen very carefully to this video. Brother Nick, can you... Dim the lights. They're in the other room. You'll see a little dimmer switch back there. So to go over where we need to be in the lane on this exchange, this one and the first one are exactly the same. So the incoming runner is on the inside of the lane. The outgoing runner stays on the outside of the lane. And the reason is we want this shoulder to match this shoulder 
so that the exchange is done in a straight line. Okay, you don't want to be in this position uh, to where they're running behind each other and this person's reaching back and we're reaching across the body. We don't want to be in that position. We want to be to where it's a straight line between the two individual athletes. When you give the stick, this person's got to be holding that stick down at the bottom. Okay, because she's got to give that person that stick at the top. All right, so it's important that as you're running through the track, if you happen to take the stick in the wrong position, you got to learn how to move that stick in your hand without breaking form. Okay? Now, the other thing here in this whole thing about pot, we talk about posture and getting out of the zone. We're trying to do everything we can to not change our sprint posture. We've, we've pushed, just like you're running 100 meters, the same way. Your arm movement is the same way. So why would we want to change and swing our arm out around? That's not efficient. We want it going straight back, so we make the exchange straight back. You're still sprinting. You're not slowing. Nothing slows down. Your arms don't slow down. Nothing slows down. Okay, now, we're down here at the end of the zone. We're not thinking about getting the baton here. I, I want to get the baton at the end of the zone because I know our accelerations are going to match up at the end of this zone. So we're trying to get it down in this area of the track where we're, we're two meters from being out of the zone. We're going after it. We're getting after it. So the distance between, is this is a pretty long stretch, and this is a pretty long stretch to make this exchange. A lot of them don't see that they want to be closer to themselves than they actually need to be. So in training, you, you're going to be, got to be able to find that out and let them, let them experience that. Now, again, we're accelerating all the way through this zone. She, Mona, or the incoming runner, is going to call, give a call. When the call is made, Portia, or the outgoing runner, his arms are moving, and her elbow stays close to her body, and her hand comes up, cocked, thumb down, fingers to the outside. Okay? Now, the incoming runner, her job, her job is to hit her hand. And it doesn't have to be, stick, boom! Okay? It can be, she's accelerating, she's coming in fast, she doesn't have to panic, she doesn't have to worry about that, just call the stick and push it into her hand. Watch your elbow, watch your hand. Okay? We make it a little bit harder than it is sometimes in, uh, if you're running fast, that's, uh, you're going to make the exchange. It's when people start altering how their, their, their speed in and out and they're worried about the other person. Accelerate out, both people. Accelerate in. Run fast all the way through the zone, out of the zone, all the way down the track. This person coming in, we talk about, we want her to follow her right out of the zone. She's got the stick, follow her right down the track. We want you sprinting right down the track. That's pretty good because she waited until her hand was in place and she put the top of the baton in her hand. The outgoing runner should get the top of the baton. Okay? She's calling the word hit. Okay. Now, how many of you all can relate? First of all, how many track runners do I have in here? One. You're the only one in here that ever ran track. Two. 
Maria, you ran track? Okay. I thought for sure, Trish. You did too? Okay, all right. But did you pick up on some of the things that the coach was telling them about how they have to run this race and they have to work together? I want to focus on the part of the scripture that talks about how creation is waiting on us. The world is waiting on us. We know that we're going to suffer in this lifetime, but we've got to learn to push through because people are waiting on us to get to where they need to go because that person who's leading off the next runner can take off and run and beat everybody, but if they don't have that baton in their hand, their running is in vain. If they don't have what you have given them to pass on to them, their running is in vain. First of all, I want to tell us, first of all, we need to get ourselves in position. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. There's a, a slide on this. Says, oh, okay, no one starts without something to gain. And no one gains unless they finish what they start. You don't do anything unless you've got something to gain. Now, most of us, we work because we know at the end of two weeks or whenever payday is, we get a paycheck. That's our thing to gain. We might go over somebody else's house and, and cut their grass on because we know they can't do for themselves, but we know that it will come back to us. The world says karma, but we know the word of God says that be not deceived whatsoever a man soweth, that will he reap. So maybe one day when I'm tired and I don't have any gas or my lawnmower's broke, someone's going to cut my grass. But nobody starts anything unless they have something to gain. And you can't gain anything unless you finish what you start. Hey, Pastor Rob, hey, I'm down here at the oceanfront, and I need to get to downtown Norfolk. Can you give me a ride? Well, how soon do you need a ride? Man, about 30 minutes. Okay, it will take me 30 minutes to get there. So I start coming from the oceanfront, taking you to downtown Norfolk. I get around Independence, and I'm like, huh? Uh, man, I just remember. Pastor Wendy told me to come home and be home. I'm, in fact, I'm late right now. Can you get off here at the corner? Now, I've just, I'm in trouble with Pastor Wendy because I'm not at home, but then I've left that person stranded because I didn't finish what I started. And I probably put them in a worse situation because suppose there is nothing in some places that you go, like when I lived in California, you can go for, or excuse me, you can go for tens and tens of miles and there'd be nothing. So unless you're going to finish it, don't start it. But that's not to tell you don't start. I'm telling you, once you start it, finish it. Because if you don't finish it, you gain absolutely nothing. So remember this. No one starts. And if you can't write it down, remember, pull your phone out, take a picture. Church app, too. No one starts without something to gain. And no one gains. And no one gains unless they finish what they start. So my first point is this. First of all, you have to get yourself in position. Get yourself in position. Thinking back to the video, the two runners, they had to get themselves in position. I never ran track because I'm like, what are we going to practice today, running? 
All right? And then what? We're going to run. And what we're going to do when the meat comes? We're going to run. It's like, can we do something besides run? Yeah, stretch. And then run. And then cross country, God forbid. You're running from here to the mall and then back to Norfolk, and, and all you did was run. So I'm not a runner in that sense. But I do know, I understand, and I learned a lot from these principles. What did he say? In order to hand the baton off, where do you have to hold it? At the bottom. Grab it, Pastor Wendy. I'm not giving her anything to grab. I'm not even, I'm not even going to let her get in, get any of this of what I have. Because so, so many times we hold on to things because we feel like if I let them know, I'm not important anymore. But there is a wealth of wisdom in that, that young lady sitting right over there. And any time that she can pour into someone else, she does it. Because she realizes that once she leaves here, and, and you hear about it all the time, that pecan pie recipe is laying over there six feet under. That turkey and gravy is six feet under. All of that money is six feet under. Because we don't want to share what we have. So we've got to get ourselves in position. And getting yourself in position is getting your mind right to say that when I'm ready to hand a baton off, I've given them something to hold on to. You've got to give them something to hand on to. And you notice at the beginning of the video, he talked about even how they have to line themselves up. I didn't realize that. I'm just thinking you just run and you hand it off. And, and I, I, I let, me, let me step back. I was in a relay race at one time because they used to have, you know, army teams or whatever. And I'm not talking about all army. It's just different units competing. And I started running my leg and pow, popped the muscle. I was done. Never ran again. But I didn't understand that in order for you to hand the baton off, you have to be in a certain place in your lane. Not all over the track. Like, they're closer. They got a shorter distance. But guess what? You've already been staged that you're ahead of the person behind you. But you have to run in your lane. And God's not judging you about how far you ran and and how this person is standing over here, but how did you run your race? And we're talking about sprinting, but we know this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. But you've got to get yourself in position. And whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever he needs you to do, again, if you have to pass on that information, that makes you a... That just makes you so much greater. Holding on to the information, that just proves how selfish you are. That just proves how selfish you are. Second point. You've got to know your zone and when it's your time. And these runners, when they run, notice he said that the first person runs into the block at full speed, and, this, and you want to hand the baton off towards the end of the block. You've got to know when it's time to hand it over. You've got to know when it's time that, you know, I'm not effective at this anymore. Years ago, I was the head of the men's department at a church. 
And I did it for two years, and after two years, I was asked to step down. I'm telling you, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I'm like, that person over there, they've been doing this, and, and they're doing that, and I've got so much, many more ideas and all of this. So I asked, can, can you please let me hold on to it for one more year? And they said, one more year. And I tell you what, that third year was disastrous. I would call meetings and I wouldn't even show up. It was just, it was bad. Even as parents, you have to know the time when it is that children need to learn how to do chores. Parents can't, uh uh-oh, friction in the room. (laughs) But... And, and, I drew, and in fact, I read this just this morning. The, the uh, cruise, the gentleman, the 19-year-old who did the shooting. The people, and this article was about the family that, that lived with him. And they had no idea who this guy was. It's just that one of the children, they have three boys of their own. One of the children said, hey, look, this kid's going through some hard times. Can we take him in? And the parents said, yeah, we'll do it. But they realized that his mom didn't teach him how to wash his clothes. His mom didn't teach him how to cook and all the other things and, and even how to pick up after himself. But there comes a point where you have got to get ready and get other people ready. But you have to know where it is your zone. <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen people or know of people that you can have a conversation over here and they're in your conversation over there it's like i'm not talking to you and that and you want to say it's like i'm not talking to you i'm in my zone stay in your zone even if you're over there on your phone by yourself get out of my zone no no when it's it's your zone how many of us know that we are listening to conversations that have nothing to do with us. And I know I'm guilty. I know I am so guilty. I'll walk up and I'll say, and what did y'all say? What were you, who are y'all talking about? <laughs> I'm so guilty of and I have to ask God, help me. It's none of your business. But, you know, sometimes you feel like, like they're laughing. You're like, hey, I want to I hear the joke too. But I also know because of the life that I live, and I'm not, oh, Pastor Robert this and Pastor Robert that. I'm not that holy that I'm no earthly good, but I know when they start passing phones around and start laughing and they don't give it to me, then that's not, that's not the zone I need to be in. It's like God is saying, you don't need to see that. So I don't ask for it. But when they share it with me, they know it's of good taste. And people should have a certain reverence for you as a child of God. And they will sit there and use profanity in front of you and say, pardon my French. And I don't know why we say, pardon my French. But they excuse themselves in front of you. But understand, if they do curse in front of you, they curse in front of Jesus too. But we've got to know what our zone is. And know when it's your time. Know when it's your time to move in. Know when it's your time to move out. Whether it's your career, whether it's in the church, Whatever knowledge you gain, pass it on. The last thing I want to say is this. Whatever you do, don't lose hope. 
don't slow down. Don't lose hope and don't slow down. Notice that he said that when you come into the zone, the first runner does not slow down to meet the second runner. They have to run at full speed. It is up to the second runner who is about to receive the baton to speed up. It is up to the second runner to adjust their speed to yours. And there is a zone. But if you hand the baton off, if they run back, for example, the line is back there, and they're like, well, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to run back here. You're disqualified. And if you get past the zone and you hand the baton, you receive the baton, if you're across the line, you're disqualified. You've got to learn to keep running. And if they don't receive, and I'm not telling you because we're quick to say, oh, I'm going to just brush the dust off my feet. You don't want to hear what I got to say? I invited you to church. I tried to help you in your situation. You don't want to hear? I'm done with you. You tried one time, twice at best. They ain't answering the phone. I ain't, I ain't running behind them. Yeah, there are times. There are times when people just don't want to be bothered with you. But then there are times when we have to be persistent. But, under, but know this, that there is a zone that it has to be passed off. Because who's to say God doesn't have greater for you? You're like, man, I'm on the third leg and I whipped everybody. So I tell you what, instead of me giving you the baton, I'm going to keep the baton and I'm going to keep running since I got this momentum going. No, you're getting disqualified. And then not only are you disqualified, you've disqualified your entire team. Everybody that was depending on you, you've disqualified everybody. All of that work, all of that training was in vain because you refused to let go. We refuse to let go. And God is saying, look, I'm pouring into you. But you're saying, I got Tupperware so my cup will not run over. I put a lid on it. And God's saying, Mike, your cup should be running over. Your cup should be running over. So we have this hope of greater things. We can't be focused on the natural that says, well, this is what you do, and you do it for this long. You don't tell it to these people. You don't share it with those people. You keep it to yourself. And if they don't want to do it, you do it yourself. That's not God's way. That is not God's way. On your mark, get set. Can't leave until they pull the pistol, right? Until they pull the trigger. And then you run. And you run. You don't look about, you don't look and see what anybody in any else other lane is doing. You stay in your lane. And when it comes your time, you put the baton out, you get in your position, in your lane. And God's saying, pass it off. Pass it off. What burdens are you carrying? You've run into the block. You said you would run this race. So you're running around this corner, and there's Jesus in front of you. And where are you holding the baton? You're holding the baton like this. 
Like, Lord, I'll run up to you, but I ain't giving it away. I'm going to hold on to it. See it, Jesus? I ain't giving it to you. I'll run with you. I ain't giving it to you. No, hold the baton at the end. Get into the zone. Get in your place in your lane. Why? Because all of creation, think about the Olympics. All of these people in the stadium, they're looking at you. They are looking at you. And they want to see you hand that baton off. They want to see your team win. Creation is waiting for the people of God to get into place and do what God requires us to do. Well, how do you know how I'm supposed to live? Don't worry about it. If they're telling you that you're not doing something, there's a good possibility they know what you're supposed to be doing. So don't question them. Start questioning yourself. I have to start questioning myself when I see certain things happen. I remember years ago, we were down in Florida, a hurricane. No, as a matter of fact, it was after, I want to say it was after Katrina. And we were just sitting there taking a little break. And it just so happened we were just a few feet from a, uh, uh, an animal shelter. And one of the guys just walked up and said, hey, do your pets in there have any water? And the guy goes, he said, we don't have anything. And the guy said, well, we got water. We can get more water. So he started saying, hey, guys, let's start carrying water. And I'm like, I'm the child of God. Why didn't I think about that? I felt this big. It's like that's supposed to be me. Not so much prideful, but a child of God. We should be the ones who are standing out in front. We should be the ones with the gold medals not getting disqualified. We can't, some of us, and I don't mean this in a literal sense, some of us can't even pass a drug test. We're getting disqualified because we got stuff in our system that we can't even get in. But creation is waiting on us. But go back to what Paul said before. But once we go through this, he said, what you're going through now, is not worthy to be compared to the glory that you're going to receive. And some people, some people think, some religions believe you just live. You do your little community service and you're nice to other people. Oh, I can see him up there right now talking to God, singing with the angels. <laughs> it's like you... We ain't talking about the same person. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Let me have all three of those points up there again. So make sure we get ourselves in position. Know your zone and when is your time. And don't change your speed. Whatever you do, don't slow down. Whatever you do, don't slow down. It's hard. It's hard to say, Lord.